This recording has been made for March 22nd, 2020. First Congregational Church of McGregor, Iowa, Pastor Gentry bringing you the message today. I want to say good morning to all of you, and I hope that this past week has not been too difficult on you as we venture forth to learn a new thing. For those of you who have been sequestered home and are not allowed to go out, I hope that you are finding this downtime as an opportunity for some new skills to develop and perhaps maybe some new peace of mind. Anyway, today I am thankful that you are able to join me, that together we might be able to worship and have this opportunity to just reflect on the blessings that God has given us, even though it may not seem like that right now. Let us pray. Loving and most merciful God, we give you thanks for this morning, this opportunity for our communities of faith, for our families, friends, and all these things that you have provided for us. Help us once again to take stock of what is truly important at this time and to recognize that we are not alone. You are with us. You ground us and you lead us forth. Help us to make this day a testimony to your grace in us as you might guide us and reveal to us your plan. We ask these things in your son's most precious name. Amen. The scripture reading for this morning comes to us from John chapter 9, the entire chapter. We have here an experience in which Jesus encounters a man who was born blind. He takes the notion to heal the man, and panic ensues throughout the community. It is an interesting chapter. It has elements of humor in it, intrigue. And we get the sense that the people who knew the man and his disability came to define him according to that. So naturally, they are all quite perplexed when the man is able to see again, and they just demand to know why. A reading from the Gospel of John. As he walked along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's work might be revealed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground, made mud with the saliva, spread the mud on the man's eyes, saying to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. Then he went and washed, and he came back able to see. The neighbors and those who had asked him before as a beggar began to ask, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some were saying, It is he. Others were saying, No, but it is someone like him. He kept saying, I am the man. But they kept asking him, Then how were your eyes opened? He answered, The man called Jesus made mud, spread it on my eyes, and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. Then I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also began to ask him how he had received his sight. He said to them, he put mud on my eyes, then I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees says, this man is not from God, for he does not observe the Sabbath. 
But others said, How can a man who is a sinner perform such signs? And they were divided. So then they said again to the man, What do you have to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. He said, He is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been born blind and that he had received his sight until they called his parents. And they said, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but we do not know how it is that he now sees, nor do we know what happened to his eyes. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews. For the Jews had already said that anyone who confessed that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents says, he is of age, ask him. So for the second time, they called the man who had been bind. And they said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, I do not know whether he is a sinner. One thing I do know is that I was blind. Now I see. They said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Then they reviled him saying, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, here is an astonishing thing. You do not know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but he does listen to one who worships him and obeys his will. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, You were born entirely in sin, and you're going to try to teach us? And they drove him out. Jesus heard that they had driven him out, and when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir? Tell me so that I might believe in him. Jesus said, You have seen him. The one speaking with you is he. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. Jesus said, I came into the world for judgment so that those who do not see may see, and those who do see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard this and said to him, Surely we are not blind, are we? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would not have sin. But now that you say, We see, your sin remains. May the Lord bless the reading and the hearing of his holy word. Amen. Let us pray. Beloved and most merciful God, we are really trying to learn. We're trying to hear you. We're trying to embrace this new thing. It is not easy. This past week has not been easy. We have been forced so abruptly to have to change the way that we do things that it's feeling ragged. We feel that we need to be redirected pulling in many different directions. All we can ask is that you tether us to your promise. And today, as we receive the word in this new platform, may the words of my mouth, the meditations of all the hearts of those listening, be acceptable to you. We ask that you would bless, keep, and guide us. In Jesus' name, amen. I told you this was an interesting passage. Here we have a man born blind, was not looking to be healed, but he had an encounter with Jesus. And as I've always maintained that whenever you have an encounter with Jesus, your life is inexplicably changed. 
it's not business as usual anymore. And it wasn't for this man either. Born blind, he was forced to have to become dependent upon society for charity. He would beg. People began to recognize him. He was a fixture, you could say, in his community. The man born blind. Yes, let me give him some charity. Carry on about my business. Feel good about myself because I helped that man, that blind man. Well, Jesus comes along and Jesus' ministry is one of reconciliation. When he sees an impediment, when he sees something that is, is clearly wrong in the community, he writes it because when we are reconciled, to God through the grace of Jesus Christ, we are able to be full, productive members in the community, able to re-engage the world in ways that we had never considered previously. So Jesus demands obedience from the man. He takes the medicinal practices of the day, spits on the ground, makes a mud pack, places it on the man's eyes. Now that part, the man doesn't need to be obedient. He is sort of being a recipient of Jesus' charity. But when Jesus says, go to Salome and wash in the pool, the man has to make his way to that pool because it is in the obedience of going to that pool that he will reckon with his blessing, that he will receive this grace and it will all be made true. Had he known what was going to happen to him, not so much about his sight being restored, but how the community was going to deal with him, well, I think that he would have maybe perhaps said, no, I'm going to sit here with this mud on my face and ask people for charity as I've always done because I can't do this new thing. I don't know what it might have in store for me. But that was not the man's condition. The man went. He went to the pool. He washed. He came back. He was able to see. By that time, Jesus had already left. He was gone. He was on his way do other things, but still in the community, as we find out later on in the gospel. But when the man came back to his, his station, the place where he used to beg for charity, people were really turned upside down. Immediately they recognized him, you know, because he looked the same, he was wearing the same clothes. But they said, wait, is this the man born blind? Is this the guy that I used to give charity to that would make me feel good and proper? How is it that he can see? I've been coming this way for years. And this guy has not been able to see. So some were like spinning that around in their head and saying, yeah, yeah, this is, uh, this is the guy. And others were like, no, no, it, it can't be. It, it, it just simply can't be. It's somebody who looks very similar. I mean, you know, they, they, it's got a good likeness. They favor him, but this can't be the guy that, that I've been giving charity to. Meanwhile, the guy is standing there and he's like, I'm the man. Hey, heads up. I'm, I'm the guy that you were giving charity to. So once he acknowledges and tries to answer their confusion, they go, well, well, tell us what's up. How, how is it that you were able to see? Because uh, there's some things here that just aren't adding up. And he's like, a man named Jesus, he came by, he made a mud pack, put it on my eyes, told me to go to the pool of Siloam. I went, I rinsed my face, I can see. And again, people are, they're, they're doing, they're processing, right? They're, they're thinking about this and they're like, yeah, this is, this is all right. And others are like, well, I don't know, we better call the authorities. 
because you're throwing our community out of orbit. And we can't have that. So they drag him to some of the Pharisees. And the Pharisees would probably know him. Not necessarily because they were charitable towards him. Maybe some of them were. But because there's such a commotion going on in the community and the people don't quite know what's going on with this man who couldn't see and now he can see and now he has got some opinions about this and then Jesus's name is circling around and everyone knows that Jesus is slightly suspect. So they call the Pharisees and they say, look, you need, you need, to, you need to make sense of this because we're, we're having a little bit of confusion trying to figure out what is going on with this guy. We could deal with him when he was blind, but now that he can see and he's talking back and, you know, he doesn't seem weak anymore. He doesn't seem like he needs us anymore. He, he's all full hopped up on this Jesus guy. And well, that's just not working for us. So you need to help us figure this out. And the Pharisees say, hey, what's going on here? Because it's the Sabbath day. It's the Sabbath day. We're not supposed to be healing. We're not supposed to be restoring the sight of anyone born blind. What's going on here? How is it? that you've received your sight. The man says, a man named Jesus came by. He put mud on my eyes. He told me to go to the pool of Siloam and wash. I did. I can see. They said, oh, Jesus. Yeah, we've heard about him. He's pretty, pretty shady character. He's a troublemaker too. And uh, as far as we know, he is not from God. So if this is the person that you've gotten twisted up in, then you're going to be in some measure of trouble. But how do we even know that you were born blind? We don't know that. You know, you're, you're not on any of our radar. So I'll tell you what we're going to do. If you indeed are part of this community and part of our synagogue, we're going to, we're going to call your parents. We're going to call your parents, you see, because we have ways of getting to the truth. And son, your story is not adding up. So they call the man's parents, right? Call the parents forward. You can tell you're in trouble when your parents are called in. So the parents are called forth. And they say, hey, is this your son? Because we've been hearing some things about him. And I got to tell you, we're, we're concerned. He says he was born blind. We've got our doubts. Was he born blind? Is this your son? They said, absolutely, this is our son. And yes, yes, he was born blind. We know. We really had some soul searching back in the day when we realized that this child of ours was never going to see. So yeah, yeah, he was born blind. Now about this, how he got his sight, I, I don't know about that. We don't know how he got his sight. We don't see him very much. You know, he's always at his little beggar station and he's got his, he's old enough. Let him speak for himself. See, now the parents knew what was up and they knew that the Pharisees were trying to set him up because if anyone said and professed that Jesus was indeed the Messiah, that Jesus was the, the be-all, end-all, that Jesus was the real deal, uh, they would be thrown out of the synagogue. And folks didn't want to be thrown out of the synagogue. They didn't want their lives any more complicated than it already was. They were willing to acknowledge that indeed this was their son because he is, and he was born blind because he was, but now that he can see, and this would be an exciting thing for the parents, and I, I don't even know how they were able to even stand before the Pharisees with a straight face and say, yeah, this is our son. Yes, he was born blind. I mean, they should be spilling over themselves and saying, oh my gosh, he can see, and I want to show you this, and your mother's making this new quilt, and... But no, no, that uh, 
It wasn't like that. They were so paralyzed with fear that all they could do was say, He is of age. Why don't you ask him? Ask him. Because I don't know how he received his sight. So again, they take the man who was formerly blind and they come and they hit him again with the same set of questions. All right. Confess. What happened to you? How is it that you can see? And at this point, you can tell that the man born blind, this, this man who, who has no name, he's just man, formerly, formerly blind man. You can tell that he's getting fatigued. He's, he's tired of answering this question. He just wants to revel in this incredible thing that has happened to him. Sometimes when a blessing happens to you, you don't want to have to explain it. You don't want to have to go into great detail and, and, and write volumes explaining this blessing. You just want to enjoy the blessing. You just want to say, can I, can I just enjoy this? Can't we just enjoy this together? But instead, the man's called to defend it. So, you can almost imagine him sort of looking down at the ground and then smiling to himself. Like, here we go again. Here we go. And he looks at them and he says, okay. Jesus came, he put mud on my eyes, he told me to go to the pool and wash. I did that, and now I can see. And they said, well, this man's a sinner. And he's like, well, look, I don't know whether or not he's a sinner. All I know is that never before in the history has there been a man born blind who had his sight restored. And they were upset at that. They're upset because the man is talking about something that has never happened as far as he knows in history. And I'm sure he's well familiar with the prophets, well familiar with the prophecies and the scriptures. You know, he has heard them coming up. And now he has this incredible blessing that has come and landed upon him. And instead of the community rejoicing, they chastise him. He's now more of an impediment as a man who can see than that blind man that they used to give charity to. This passage is remarkable because it shows collectively how communities can be thrown out of disarray when the norm is broken in some way, when the customs and the things that we always live with, assume, or even take for granted when these things are disrupted in even the tiniest of ways, we're completely thrown out of whack. Even if, even if the very thing that needs to change is actually for our improvement. This man being born blind was no benefit to the community. However, his disability became an opportunity for others to sort of bolster their own confidence by saying, I gave that blind man charity. You know, I help him out every once and again. He's able to eat because of me. And there's that sense in which no one would take him into their home. No one would attend to him. No one would adopt him and say, you're going to become my new brother. You're going to become my adopted son. You are going to, I'm going to elevate your, your quality of life. I'm going to take you that we might be together. No one was offering that. They just saw that guy down there begging in the, in the square 
and they would give him a couple of coins and they would go home feeling justified. And Jesus says, you know what, this, we can do better on this. We can improve this man's quality of life. But improving his quality of life, he's thrown everyone else in disarray. Because they needed that man to have his disability so that way they could sort of know where they were functioning in the community. And now that his disability has been removed and now that he is a fully functional, if you will, individual who can now go and engage the world in, in other productive manners, the community still wants to squabble over the, the, the truth of his blessing. And what's going to happen to them now that this man can see? Because his physical sight being restored has landed them all into spiritual blindness. So they run him out of the synagogue. They say, you can't, we don't want you here anymore. You're a troublemaker. You know, we could, we could deal with you when you were blind. We could deal with that, but... I can't, I can't handle you staring me in my eyes and telling me that I'm wrong about Jesus. I, I'm just not going to have that. So why don't you pack your bags and go? Now, Jesus hears that they had run the man out of the synagogue. And he reconnects with him. But this time... The man might have recognized his voice, right? But maybe in all the commotion right now, and that voice and sight don't necessarily add up. So he runs into Jesus, and Jesus says, Do you believe in the Son of Man? But the blind man could have said, Hey, I, I know that voice. I know that voice. But he didn't say that. He says, Sir, tell me who he is that I might worship him. And Jesus says, I am he. And the man wants to follow him. He wants to be his disciple. He wants to say, hey, wherever you're going, let me, let me be your hype man, right? Let me go out front and tell the world what you've done for me. Jesus says, yep, I need you to do that, but you need to go back to your community. You need to go back to that community who knew you back in the day, who knew you as a blind man, who knew you as a man who was afflicted. You were born blind not to signify your sin, nor the sin of your household. You were born blind in order that the glory of God might be revealed in you. So I need you to go back to your community. I need you to take your sight, your enlightened spiritual sight, and help others see. And Jesus says, I have come into the world that those who were born blind might see, and those who see might become blind. And the Pharisees overheard this and says, surely we are not blind, are we? And Jesus says, well, now that you say that you see, your sin remains. Your sin remains because the Son of God stands before you, doing incredible deeds, reconciling the world. And you still want to push back. We all find ourselves in an interesting point in our lives right now where we see the world is wrestling with a common disease and it is affecting lives across the board. There's 
no one individual who has not heard of this disease and who has not had their life impacted in some very real and tangible way. But this distortion that has enveloped our communities is not going to cause us to shrink away, but it will cause us to galvanize ourselves around those things which are truly important. And we too are asking ourselves, how long is this going to be? I mean, that's a very real and legitimate question. How long will we have to live this way? And what if you, what if you heard God saying to you in your prayers that, well, we're going to be at this for a while. This may become the new platform. Skill up. Redirect yourself. Rediscover yourself, your family, your loved ones. Think about how you engage the world. Reframe, redirect, renew. I would enjoy this just being a little blip. I would. We all would. It'd be wonderful if we could be back at normal things and man doesn't have to go off and do secret recordings in the quietest spaces of one's home in order to try to get the word out. It'd be nice to be able to jump about in the sanctuary like I am accustomed. But I, along with all of you, am being encouraged to learn a new thing. So as this man was called to be a witness to a community that, that knew him formerly, as the man born blind, they now have to reckon with seeing his eyes, his bright, all-searching eyes. And every time they see this man with his open eyes, they will realize and think about the one who opened them. And in opening this blind man's eyes, how are our eyes being opened? How are we being encouraged to look upon our creation and those within it differently? How are we called to renew and redirect ourselves so we too will not miss any opportunity for a blessing? I hope that during this time, as we continue to employ the safe practices of social distancing, as we discover new technological trends to reach out and stay connected with one another, as we bide our time learning new skills of patience and compassion, that you will feel renewed and that you will not feel alone, that you will feel that God is right there as companion and guide lifting you up, pushing you forward, giving you everything that you need to be the best possible disciple that you can be. Well, friends, I thank you for joining us today. I know that this is not the same as being together in corporate worship. Being together is what we enjoy doing, seeing one another and being able to be in our wonderful worship space. But we are flexible and we are adaptable. And we are doing this together for the mutual benefit of our communities. So thank you again for being flexible and for allowing this new thing to envelop you. You are not alone. And now receive this blessing. May the grace of Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and always. Keep you and guide you in peace. <laughs>